Well, good morning. Good to see all of you. Today we're closing out our seven-week series called The Seven Words from the Cross and looking at the seven statements that Jesus made uh, in his dying hours, dying moments. And today we come to the word of trust. We're going to look at this in Luke 23, verses 44. It's on your outline on the screen. It says, By this time it was noon, but darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the thick veil hanging in the temple was torn apart. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last breath. When the captain of the Roman soldiers handling the executions saw what had happened, he praised God and said, Surely this man was innocent. In Matthew, it records that the man said, Surely this man was the Son of God. It's amazing that that a hardened soldier would look up and say, the guy we just crucified, this guy was innocent. This guy was the son of God. As a centurion, he would have seen hundreds of crucifixions. Uh, One of the tasks of Roman soldiers was to crucify people. A very common form of punishment and execution. They crucified criminals. They crucified political figures they didn't like. They crucified the people they conquered. And so he probably had seen hundreds of crucifixions. This one was different. What made this one different? Well, what made it different is the seven words that Jesus spoke from the cross. Nobody had ever spoken like Jesus when they were being crucified. There was a Roman centurion heard Jesus say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He'd never heard anybody forgive the people crucifying them. Hear Jesus say the word of assurance to a a thief hanging on the cross next to him. Jesus says, this day you'll be with me in paradise. No one had ever said the word of love, the word of substitution, the word of humanity, the word of victory. And certainly no one had ever shouted in his last breath, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. I want us to look at three characteristics of Jesus' death that that we need to understand. First, Jesus Christ gave up his life voluntarily. This time of year around Easter, there's usually a big debate. Who killed Jesus? Was it the Romans that killed him? Was it the Jewish religious leaders that killed him? Was it the crowd that killed him? And truthfully, it's a futile debate because nobody killed Jesus. Jesus laid his life down voluntarily. Jesus said from the very beginning that he came for the purpose of dying. These people weren't killing Jesus. Jesus was sacrificing his life. John 10, 18, Jesus said, no one can take my life from me. I lay down my life voluntarily. For I have the authority to lay it down when I want to, and also the power to take it back again. And so the death on the cross, that was Jesus' choice. He wasn't surprised by it, caught off guard. What are they doing to me? No, he did it voluntarily. If he didn't want to die on the cross, he wouldn't have had to die on the cross. He's not a victim, he's a victor. Amen, overcoming death and the grave, sin. Nobody could do anything to him without his permission. Number two, Jesus gave up his life confidently. He shouted the words, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. Not a shout of anger or bitterness. It's not a shout of fear or despair or doubt. It's It's a shout of victory. It's just a shout of confident, convinced 
rock-solid trust. Father, I entrust my hands into your spirit. Third, Jesus gave up his life trusting God. The phrase there, Father, I entrust my hands into your spirit, it's actually a quote from the Old Testament, from Psalm 31.5. We teach our children to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Say it with me. Now I lay me down to sleep. Pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. That comes right out of Psalm 31.5. And in fact, it was Jewish tradition to pray that prayer at the end of the day. Not just children, but everybody would say, Father, I'm entrusting my life. I'm entrusting my spirit into your hands. And now I'm going to bed. And so Mary probably taught this prayer to Jesus as a young boy, and Jesus uses what he'd been praying every night throughout his life as his last words on the cross. That doesn't trivialize it. It makes it all the more powerful. And that statement has been used by Christians for 2,000 years when they're facing danger, when they're facing persecution. Right now, Christians in, in, in Syria, persecuted by ISIS, are saying, Father, into your hands I entrust my spirit. First Christian martyr, Stephen, first follower of Christ to, to die for the cause. His last words were, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Last thing he prayed. So what do we learn from this last statement of Jesus? The, the Bible says that there, the, for three hours there was darkness, that the light of the sun was hidden. Everything went dark, went black. Maybe that's happening in your life. Maybe you're moving through a dark season of time and things in your life have gone black, they've gone dark. What do you do? Number one, first I have to remember that I have a Father in heaven who loves me. I have a Father in heaven who loves me. That's why Jesus starts his last statement with Father. We talked a, a, a few weeks ago on, with, about substitution and Jesus taking on himself the punishment for every sin of mankind. And that word, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Only time he ever called God, uh, God instead of Father. Why? Because in that moment, God, God had to turn away from Jesus because he was bearing all our sin. God couldn't even look at him. Jesus taught us to pray. He taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven. And when Jesus taught the disciples to pray that, it, it, it changed everything for everybody. Because up till that point, you didn't call God Father. God was big. He was powerful. He was cosmic. He was distant. All of a sudden, you know, he may be merciful, but you don't call him Father? And Jesus changed all of that. He said, When you talk to God, call him our Father in heaven. And so Jesus, when he's bearing our sin, he calls God, God. And then just a few moments later, he calls him Father. Why? Because the judgment is over. Between those two statements, he said, it is finished. It is finished. And the relationship between the Father and the Son has been restored. He can call him Father again. Jesus, John 16, 28, Jesus said, I come from the Father and entered the world now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. So God wants us in our dark days to call him Father. 
And people can have a problem with that because a lot of people, when they were growing up, they had bad dads. They had a dad that was distant or demeaning or uh, destructive. A dad that was detached. Is that the way our Heavenly Father is? No. The Bible tells us that God is a caring Father, a consistent Father, a close Father, a capable Father. God loves you more than you can imagine. Psalm 103.13, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who honor him. And so you may be in the dark days of a financial crisis or a physical crisis with your health or a marriage crisis or a kid crisis or whatever you're going through. You have a heavenly father who is close and competent and caring and capable and he's consistent. If you're going through dark days, you need to get your eyes off your problem. Get your eyes off the darkness and get them onto your father. I want you to write this down somewhere on your outline. There's no space for it. Just write down, God loves me more than I do. Why? Because God is love. God is the essence of love. He loves you more deeply than you even love yourself. And so no matter what you're facing right now, you need to remember, I have a Father in heaven. Number two, my Father can be trusted. My Father in heaven can be trusted. You may have had a physical father that couldn't be trusted. You know, some kids don't know whether their father's going to hug them or slug them from one moment to the next. And inconsistent fathers produce insecure children. They're not very trusting because they just don't know what's going to happen. But your heavenly Father is someone you can trust. And Jesus says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your care. And one of the greatest decisions you're going to make in your life is who can I trust with my life? And you just you got to ask it, can I trust the government? Can I trust the media? Can I trust popular opinion? Can I trust myself? And the truth is, it, you, you can't trust yourself. You can't trust your life to your emotions. Your emotions lie to you all the time. You can't trust your own thoughts because you, know, you don't have to believe everything your mind tells you. Not everything you tell yourself is true. Sometimes you tell yourself things are better off than they are. Sometimes you tell yourself things are worse than they are. Some, you lie to yourself all the time. You can't even trust yourself. So who are you going to trust with your life? Well, I recommend you put your trust in someone who, A, knows everything. That's obviously not us. B, will always have your best interest at heart. That's obviously not the government. And C, will always tell you the truth. Well, that's obviously not the media. So who is it? Who knows everything? Who has your best interest at heart? Who will always tell you the truth? The only one that's going to do that is God. So I suggest put your trust in him. Psalm 33, 4. For the word of the Lord holds true, and everything he does is worthy of our trust. Can't trust anybody else, but you have a heavenly father that you can trust. And Jesus says, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. The word entrust in the Greek means literally to deposit. You, you, you take it and you put it into the care and the protection of someone. And I tried to think, well, what's a, what's a picture of that? And the best thing I can come up with is like a safety deposit box. You know, when you go to the bank and rent a box and, and you put your most valuable stuff in there and they lock it up and they keep it secure for, for you so nobody can get to it. That's what this idea of entrusting it to God means. You say, God, I'm going to entrust my life to your safety deposit box. And whatever I, I give to God, I can trust him to take care of it. You know, I give stuff to other people. I can't always trust him to take care of it. 
But God has a track record of faithfulness. So what do you need to entrust to your Heavenly Father? And the quick, easy answer is everything. But let me, let me give you something a little more specific. I, I would encourage you to, to anything that you worry about, that's what you need to entrust. Worry is the red light. It's the warning sign that you're not trusting God with something. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You worried about your health? Entrust that to your heavenly father. You worried uh, about your future? Entrust that to your heavenly father. You worried about your marriage or your job or your kids? Entrust that to your heavenly father. And the most difficult time to trust is when you're in pain. Remember, Jesus, he's just endured six hours of torture on the cross. He's in enormous pain. He's loss of blood, loss of sleep, no water, dehydrated. And yet the word says that he said, I entrust my spirit to you. That when you're in pain, that's when you need to trust the most. Paul knew this in 2 Timothy 1.12. He says, I am suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he's able to protect and keep what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. I trust God to do the keeping. I don't have to do the keeping. God does the keeping. I just do the trusting. Whatever area of your life that you're going through, whatever your dark day is, you need to remember you have a Father in heaven who loves you. And you need to remember you have a Father in heaven who can be trusted with every area of your life. Third thing, I need to remember that my Father is taking care of things I can't see. You know, in the darkness you can't see, and so you just have to, you have to trust that God is taking care of it. Well, we can only see the physical things. We can see the material things. But there's a lot going on in our life that we can't see. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not real. In fact, the things we can't see are often more real than the things we can because the things we can't see are eternal. Things we can see are temporary. And so there's far more to life than just the material, than the, the physical. You know, people looking at the cross would just see, hey, there's a, there's a man dying on a cross. But there are spiritual things happening in the spiritual realm that are far more important, far more real than the things that you can simply see or touch or hear. There was far more going on behind the cross than what people could see. There's far more going on in the circumstances of your life than what people can see, than what you can see. God is taking care of the things you can't see. And when you're in your dark, you can't see the solution. You can't see the antidote. You can't see God working on your behalf. But he is. While you're waiting, God is working. You're waiting for that job. You're waiting for that answer to prayer. You're waiting for that life change. While you're waiting, God is working. Circle the phrase, my spirit. You know, you're far more than just a body. Life is far more than just the material or the physical. You're made in the image of God. That means you have a soul. If you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, it means your spirit is alive. And so there's far more to you than just your body. And the Bible tells us that, that here on earth, there's an unseen battle going on for that spiritual, soulful part of you. Good and evil, God and the devil are warring, waging a battle over that part of you. And God has taken care of things you can't even see. 
Job 23 says, when he, he's talking about God, when he is at work in the north, I do not see him. When he turns to the south, I catch no glimpse of him. There's no way to, you don't see him doing these things. But he knows the way that I take. And when I am test, and when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. See, the dark spot that you're in right now, it's a test. It's a test. And God is working. God's going to the north. He's going to the south. You don't see him, but God's doing it. And he sees what's happening for you. You can't see him. He can see you. And God is taking care of the things you can't see. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, Our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. You know, the problems you're going through right now, God's purpose is greater than your problems. God's purpose is greater than your problems. You've got to get your eyes off your problems, and you've got to get them fixed on God, get them fixed on God's purpose. Father, I entrust myself, every area of my life, into your hands. Paul said, so we fix our eyes. We fix our eyes, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You've got to get your eyes off the problem and fix your eyes on God's eternal purpose. Last thing you need to remember in your dark days is my father can handle anything that I put into his hands. Father, he's a loving father. I entrust, he's trustworthy. My spirit, he handles the stuff I can't even see. Into your hands. That that phrase is just a beautiful expression of, of care and security. In the Bible, the hand of the Lord is used over 200 times. And this is a big deal. This is a big concept in the Christian life. So how big are God's hands? Well, God's hands are big enough to bless me. Jesus would often put his hands on people when he blessed them. Isaiah 62 says, The Lord will hold you in his hands for all to see. A splendid crown in the hands of God. God's hands are big enough to bless me. God's hands are strong enough to keep me secure. You know, I put them in that safety deposit box. It's not going anywhere. Jesus said it like this in John 10, 28. He says, I give them. That's that's you if you've trusted in Christ. I give them. That's you. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father as one. Nobody can snatch you out of God's hands. The devil tries, can't do it. Well, maybe nobody's snatching me, but what if I jump out of God's hand? Well, how big do you think God's hand is? I mean, how far are you going to jump? Are you going to get to the edge and fall off? How big are God's hands? God's hands are so big that he is strong enough to keep me secure. You know, my kids were little. Uh, I, I, I would get into the pool. I'd get into the shallow end of the pool, and then I would, I would have my kids jump in from the side. And I just remember the first time with, with, with each one of them. that it was, it was a big deal to them. I just remember them. They'd stand on the skinny little kids, and they'd stand there. And usually their, 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 their knees are shaking, and their eyes are big. And, and then they wouldn't do it. And they go on, jump, jump, I'll catch you. And then, and then they, you know, they wouldn't do it again. And then finally, they'd get up, and I'm not going to do it. They'd get up, they'd get enough. Catch me, Larissa. They'd get enough, uh, 
they get up enough courage, they jump in. And guess what I'd do? I'd catch them. Because I was a good dad. <laughs> Just saying, okay? And then what happens? Once you catch them, here they come again. And now they do it a hundred times and, and, and there's just joy and they're thrilled and it's fun. You know, that, once you've learned that you can jump into the Father's hands, you just want to do it again and again and again. Story of my life. As a young man, I made the decision, I'm just going to jump into the Father's hands and he caught me. And I thought, man, I'm going to do that again and I'm going to do it again and I'm going to do it from back here. <laughs> And I'm going to do it higher. And I'm going to, you know, let's go, God. Let's go. Catch me. And it's fun. And I just started jumping more and more. Every time you jump into the Father's hands, it just gets to be more and more fun. And that's what God's saying to you today. He's in the pool. He's saying, come on in. I'll catch you. Jump. And you need to learn to do that with every area of your life. Third thing you need to know about the hands of God. The hands of Jesus are scarred enough, he cannot forget me. He cannot forget me. Isaiah 49. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast and have no compassion on the child she has born? And the answer to that is supposed to be, well, no, mother could never do that. We live in a broken world. And so it says, though she may forget, God says, I will not forget you. I have engraved you on the palm of my hands. Nail prints of the cross are in Jesus' hands. And with those nail-scarred hands, Jesus Christ says, this is how much I love you. I'll never forget you. I'll never forget you. I don't know what you're going through. But I want to advise you this. Last verse, Paul says, I think you ought to know, dear brothers, about the hard time we went through in Asia. We were really crushed and overwhelmed and feared we would never live through it. We felt like we were doomed to die and saw how powerless we were to help ourselves. You ever been in that position? (laughs) You there now? But, this is the big change, but that was good. For then we put everything into the hands of God who alone could save us. For he can even raise the dead. You put everything into the hands of God. Deposit it in the safety deposit box. I mentioned earlier that that Mary probably taught Jesus to pray Psalm 31 as a kid. When I was a little kid, I got scared at night. I'd go in and I would fall asleep in my parents' beds. My kids did that, now my grandkids do it. And I would actually try to sleep between my parents because that's where, you know, it was warmer, that's where I felt really secure. And I'd fall asleep, and then my dad would get up and carry me upstairs to my bed and put me in, in my bed. And so the next morning, I would wake up, and an amazing thing had happened. <laughs> I was in my bed. That's, that, that's a picture of death. Because while, while one day I'm, I'm going to fall asleep, and my Heavenly Father is going to scoop me up in his loving arms, and he's going to take me to where I need to be. But we need to trust him. Because that's what the cross is all about. And you need to do this. This is not something that you need to say on your deathbed. 
just like Jesus. This is a theme that you need for your entire life. It's not something you say when you're, Father, when you're dying, Father, I, I entrust my spirit. No. No. When, when you're afraid, Father, I entrust my life into your hands. When you're angry, Father, I entrust my frustration into your hands. When you're worried, God, I, I entrust my worries into your hands. I, I entrust my depression, the, the lies I'm telling myself, I put it into your hands. When you're confused, God, I put this chaos into your hands. I trust you're working out stuff I can't even see. You've got a big decision to make. Father, into your, your hands, I entrust my life. It becomes the theme of your life. If you've never done it, if you've never made that first leap, this is your time. This is your moment. Let's pray together. Just like me saying to the little kids in my family, just jump, I'll catch you. God is saying to you right now, jump. Jump, I'll catch you. Trust me. I'm handling the stuff you can't see. I love you more than you love yourself. You can give me any, any area of your life. And so I just invite you just, just to pray a one-sentence prayer this week and just say, Jesus Christ, I don't understand it all, but in humility and faith, I just say to you, I entrust my life into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.